Well, good morning, everyone. Um, I was wondering if you guys are as tired of looking at each other and not being able to hug anybody as I am. I just want to hug somebody. And I know there's some prickly people out there that don't like that. You don't like to hug, but I got to tell you, even if you're not a hugger, you got to be wanting to hug somebody and just shake their hand or something. But we feel like a bunch of strangers coming into church sometimes, and we're not uh, don't feel comfortable or don't want to assume that somebody's going to be comfortable with it. And I'm hoping and praying. I hope you are too that we're going to get past this, and uh, this thing can be eradicated or get us a vaccine or something so we can start being Christians again, acting like it. But uh, I think that's important. You know, it's been said, and I believe that it's true, but other pastors have said this. They say that we are all broken people. In other words, we all have our own problems. We all have hang-ups. We all have our own faults. Some of us have been through traumatic experiences throughout our lives. We've lost a loved one, a family member. We've been assaulted in some way. The, it goes on and on. The list goes, it just goes on and on. And because of that, we struggle with a lot of different feelings and emotions. We struggle with guilt. We struggle with shame. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle with fear. We struggle with a lot of different things that affect in our lives. They really do. They have an effect on us far beyond what we realize. And because of that... We've gotten into the habit of using, abusing, and manipulating other people. And we do that in order to satisfy something that we desperately want because it may be because of something we've been through. It may just be because that's the kind of people that we are. Um, But for one reason or another, we are trying to satisfy a need or a desire. Now, we talked at length about this last week as we looked in James. And I'll tell you where we're going with this in a moment, but... I want to go back to that for just a moment because this is just a continuation or a summary, really, of of that. But I want to go back to the first two verses that we looked at last week in James chapter 4. Let me read them for you, and then we're going to just sort of set the stage for what we're going to be talking about today. In In this passage, James asked this question. He said, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You see, there's the problem. Um, We do ungodly things because something inside of us wants or yearns to be satisfied or fulfilled or whatever. We want something because maybe we've never had it before. And so we are abusive and manipulative, and we'll do things to get that. We are afraid, so it alters the way we relate to people because of the fear that we have. Anything would fit into this, but he's saying that you're fighting and quarreling, and you're mistreating people, and you're abusing people, and you're angry because there's something in you that you want, but you can't get. And you're trying to get it, and you're not fulfilled in it. Now, this is something that we all struggle with because there are times in our lives where we have this idea that if, you know, if I just had that, if I just was married to that person and not this person, if I had that sum of money or or whatever and I could do this, and if I just had all these things that I have imagined in my mind, then I would be satisfied. And so we 
cheat and we steal sometimes. We mistreat people. We become angry. We lash out at people. We take advantage of people. And all of these are symptoms of the problem. Now there's a danger. Because eventually we begin to believe that because of my past experience, because of my misfortune, because of my hurt and my pain and my suffering, that I have the right to do that. That somehow I'm excused from godly behavior because you don't understand what I've been through. And you know something? You may be right. And and nobody, and nor do I, maybe understand what you've been through because I've never gone through that experience. But I can tell you this, that nowhere in the Scripture are you going to find that God says to you, you shouldn't do this except unless you've been through that horrible experience, then I understand. And you're excused. It's okay if you get drunk to hide your pain because it's really deep and hard, so it's okay if you do that. It's okay if you take drugs. It's okay if you run around on your spouse because I understand the pain and what you need and how hurt you really are. You'll never find that in Scripture anywhere because God never excuses bad behavior. Now, granted, folks, we may have reasons, okay? I'm not... I'm not trying to minimize the pain, nor say that you don't have a reason for feeling this way. A reason for being angry, a reason for feeling insecure, a reason for being afraid, a reason for worrying, a reason for trying to hide from people. Um, There may be reasons, but nowhere are you going to find in Scripture that God says it's okay. And He's always telling you the opposite, that you and I have to deal with that. Now, that's really the problem right there because we don't quite know what to do. We're not even sure of our real issue, our real problem, let alone how to handle it or deal with it or improve it. All through the Scripture, you're going to find Scripture in both the Old and the New Testament where God keeps repeating to His people, bring me that problem. Let me have that burden, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to satisfy you. Now, please understand... He doesn't say, I'm going to take the problem and fix the problem, because the problem may not be fixable. Your spouse left you, and they may not ever come back. That's not the issue. The issue is that it's a burden, and God says, bring me the burden, and I will give you rest. You know, if you are thirsty, come to the fountain of living water, and I'll quench the thirst. If you are hungry then come over here because I'm living bread. I'm the bread of life, and I will give you food to eat. In other words, I will satisfy what it is that drives you to keep doing the things that you do. I'm not going to excuse it, but I can fix the problem. Please understand as we go through this that God is not saying, I'm going to take care of the problem that exists. I'm going to fix your problem within you. If you lost a loved one in an accident, that problem isn't going to be solved. But God can fix you. If you grew up in an abusive home, there's no solving that problem. But God can fix you. And see, this is what we're talking about here because James is saying, you are lashing out at people, you are ruining every relationship in your life because... There's something within you that you want to satisfy, the desires he talks about. And you can't or you don't know how. And so you try to grab a hold of people and pull them into your world. Please satisfy me. Do this for me. I want to use you and abuse you and so forth. Um, 
And he's saying, that's where it all begins, this quarreling among you. What is your burden? What are you hungry for? What is it? I'll bet you, you probably don't really know. You probably can't put your finger on it. You say, I have ruined my marriage, maybe more than once. I have ruined friendships. I'm a manipulative person. I abuse. And all of this I recognize I don't really want to do it, but I do it. And I don't really understand why or how to fix it. And in the middle of all that, God says to you and me that I can give you satisfaction. I can satisfy the need. And I'm not going to do it just to make you feel better. And that's important that you understand. God isn't trying to say, I'm going to make you just feel better. He said, I'm going to fix your real problem. And that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. And when I fix that problem, then all of this other stuff is going to fall by the wayside. Because you see, all you're dealing with now are the symptoms and they're not really the issue. If you and I want to feel better, feeling better is the result of living better. That's taught in Scripture. There's no quick fix for things that we feel and the the needs that we have in life. The hurts and the scars that have resulted from a lifetime of whatever we've gone through. There's, There's no quick fix. But in the middle of all that, God says, you come to me, I'll fix you. And I'll change how you feel about it. And I'll change how you respond to things in life. And the pain, I can take the pain away. I can give you a new purpose, a new direction, and all of that. And, but you need to understand, see, this is our mistake as Christians. We go about our lives, living our lives and making excuses for ungodly behavior. Then we come to God and pray, oh God, please fix me. Please fix me so that I feel better. Please fix me so that I don't hurt. And God says no. Because there's a way of doing it and you're not doing it. Feeling better is the result of living better. What we're going to be talking about today is a continuation of last week, but we're going to be looking more at the process of healing. In other words, the solution to your real problem. Um, James touches the surface here. He says, here's the, here's the deal. You have these needs, and here's how you're acting out, and here's the problems you're creating. We're going to talk about, we're going to go back here, okay? We're going to go back from the way you behave to the way you feel to your real problem. And we're going to talk about that as we look at this today. So, let's begin with the issue. Let's begin with the real problem that you and I face in life. It's not the felt needs that we have. It's not the unfulfilled desires. We think that our past, if we can somehow get past the shame, the insecurity, the self-esteem issues, the lack of, of, uh, of love in our lives, the grief that we feel, all of these things, if we can just get past that, then everything will be okay. Let me show you a verse. And the verse I want you to understand, and I want you to look at this, because we're going to go back into the Old Testament where you would probably... Not ever think of finding a verse that applies to you and me today about this issue. But if you want to talk about the problem that we all have, and you can cut through all of the mess and the feelings and the the past and feelings, you know, all of that, just cut through it and get down to the heart of the issue for you and me as believers, okay? Now, this is true of everybody, but I'm talking about you and me as believers. 
This is our problem. Okay, now watch. I want you to look with me, if you will, in, in Jeremiah chapter 2.13. It's going to be up on the, on the screen, but I want you to pay close attention. Jeremiah talking to the nation of Israel in the middle of all of their um, rebellion against God. He says this. He says, My people have committed two sins. Number one, they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. I'm the spring of living water. They have forsaken me. And here's the second thing that they've done wrong. And have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, a cistern is basically this. It was either where you carved out a, a place in a stone to collect water. They would sometimes do it underground and, and have the water go in when it rained. Or you build one out of pottery, a huge, huge uh, clay pot to hold water called a cistern. Now, he's talking in metaphorically here, okay? He's saying, here's the issue. I'm the, the bread of life, the fountain of, of water. I'm what's going to satisfy you. You come to me, like I've tried to get you to do all of these years, the nation of Israel now. You come to me, and I'll satisfy the needs. But here's what you did, and here's your sin. You, you forsook me. I had the answers, and you left. Now you're living in rebellion, you're in bondage, all of the terrible things are happening in the nation of Israel, all because of this. You left me. You turned your back on me. He said, but that's not the worst part. Here's the worst part. I told you I would give you living water and satisfy your problems and your needs and your issues if you would just come to me with those burdens. And you went out and dug your own cisterns to provide your own water You tried to do it yourself. And when you did, you realized the cisterns that you created were cracked. And they didn't work. Now guys, listen, because this is the point here, okay? God says to you and me, you come to me. You're my people, my church. You come to me and I will give you the needs. I will will satisfy you. I will will give you the water that you need, the, the food that you need. Metaphorically, I'll meet the needs. We go about into the world and try to do it our own way as the best we can. So, here's why a man or a woman, halfway through a marriage, decides, I want to be happy and I'm going to find that in the arms of another person, not this person. I'm going to go dig my own cistern. See, I'm going to go provide my own satisfaction. Um... Somebody abuses or takes advantage of you, and rather than forgive them the way that the Bible says, you want to hold a grudge and get back and seek revenge. Because I'm going to do it my way, I'm going to dig my own cistern, you see. God says, this is your problem. You're trying to satisfy your needs your way, and usually through some physical or natural means. And see, your problem is a spiritual problem. It's something down deep inside of you that nothing you do or no person that you run off to or no person that you take advantage of, they can't give you what you really want. Only I can. Because this is down deep. This is spiritual. This comes from the depths of your soul. There's something lacking. And I want to give it to you. Now, we hinted at this last week as to what the solution is. Let me just run back through this very quickly. This one verse, began. it hinted, gave us a hint 
of what the solution to the problem is. This is what it looks like. And that is in James chapter 4, verse 2. Let me go back and read this entire verse to you now, okay? In verse 2 it says this, You desire, but do not have, so you kill. In other words, you're digging your own cistern. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You're digging your own cistern. You do not have because you do not ask God. Oh, whoa, okay. Two choices. And this is true of every issue you face. I can do it my way or I can do it God's way. See, that's what it boils down to. And you want to know the problem that we have as human beings, as Christians? That is that 99 times out of 100, we'll say, I'll do it my way. Because I've got a a way to do this. I can drink my way out of it, drug my way out of it, fornicate my way out of it. I can abuse people and make me feel better. I can steal, cheat, lie, hide, whatever I need to do. But I can get through this and I can take care of this problem. And all we do is make matters worse. And God just sits back and watches as we keep pouring water into the cracked cistern thinking we're going to get satisfied. And it never happens. The specifics of the solution. And we're going to get real specific here. And we're going to be, let me read for you the next several verses. This is the passage that I want to look at. It's in James chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 7 through 10, okay? In verse 7 he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. All right, now there's four things in there, four words. If you've been looking at notes that you got offline, you notice there's four blanks. Four words that we're told that are things we're to do. Here's the first one. You want to talk about the solution to the problem. Here's the first one. The word surrender. The word surrender. In verse 7 it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves then. I get the then because the then ties it back to what he just said. In other words, he tells you all of this stuff about arguing, fighting, and trying to get your needs met. He says, so here then is what you need to do. First of all, you submit yourself to God. What in the world does that mean? We use that. We say it all the time. Surrender. What are we talking about? We're talking basically about giving up. In this context, what I've been telling you this morning, it would mean this. Stop digging. Stop digging. Stop trying to get your own needs met some other way. Stop digging your own cistern. Stop trying to solve your problem your way. Because what you're struggling with is something far worse than what you realize. Far deeper. And the only issue, the only way to, to gain healing out of the problems that we face is to surrender. Basically, you're acknowledging to God, look, I see the error of what I've done. I see that you were the, the answer and I've gone about doing it the other way. And I'm tired. I've, I've had it. I'm done. And so I'm taking this mask off. And I'm going to let you see, as if you didn't already know, let you see the hurting person that's under the mask. 
And I come before you and I'm going to admit to you my needs. I'm going to admit to you my failures. I'm going to be standing before you, God, submitting to you as if I were spiritually naked. Nothing hidden anymore. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned? Up until that time, the Bible says they'd been naked, running around the garden, just them and God, until they sinned. And the first thing they did was cover up. In an effort to cover their sin, they covered up. You and I have been covering up, spiritually speaking, all of our lives. We've been pretending to be something we're not. We've been hiding out from other people because we thought if they knew who we really were, they would reject us. And so consequently, we think the same thing about God. We run from God. We hide from God. We go out and dig our own cisterns. We try to satisfy our own needs. We try to fix our own problems. And it hasn't worked. And God says, come here and submit and surrender to me. I can fix it. You have to acknowledge what you're doing. You have to see what the problem is. You come and you're honest about the way you feel. You're honest about your anger. Some of you are mad at God. You've been ticked at God for years. Why are you hiding that? Do you think that God doesn't see behind the fig leaves? Do you think that God doesn't know what's in your heart? And because you're hiding and because you're making excuses for yourself, you don't ever deal with it. Some of you are so filled with anger because of something that happened in your past, you can't live this life. You can't enjoy life because you're so filled with anger and all you want to do is hate. All you want to do is get even. All you want to do is get revenge. God says you need to surrender that to me. Let it go and come to me. He's not talking about unbelievers. He's talking to you as a believer. Come to me. You forsook me and you went over here and you dug your own sister. Now come back over here. Some of you are filled with pride. You need to admit it. You know what's there. Some of you are filled with doubt. You don't know that or really understand or appreciate the fact that God loves you. You're not even sure you believe it. Then tell him. Tell him. First you change you, then the emotions change. See, this is a concept that we as believers don't understand. Somehow we as believers have gotten off track because we think that the Christian life and change in the Christian life is like a power encounter. We have an experience with God and that's what changes us. But when you look at Scripture, that's not true. You have an experience with God when you put your faith in Him and come to Him by faith. But the Christian, Christian life is a process. It is a process of living and dealing with your issues and your problems all of your life. Whenever you and I surrender to Him, whenever you and I are honest and finally open up and admit who we are and the things that are going on in our hearts, when we are exposed, I'll keep using that metaphor, just as spiritually speaking, we're exposed, we are not hiding anything, then God can deal with us. It's almost as if there's a spiritual transformation that takes place then. In other words, 
I come to God with all of my hurts and my problems and my issues. And God unleashes the Spirit of God through me and in me. All of a sudden, things begin to unleash. The Spirit begins to work and the Spirit begins to transform me. When I'm out here trying to do it myself, I can't. And I'm quenching the Spirit. Please understand this, believers. You can't go out here and live like hell and pray to God to fix your problems. God says to you and me, it's the process of living that changes your problems. And it's the process of allowing the Spirit of God to transform you that fixes the problems. And there's no shortcut here. That's what you and I have got to understand. So I need to move quickly. But the first thing, surrender. You need to surrender or submit to the Lord and be honest. Here's the second thing, and that is resist. The second word is resist. Verse 7 says this, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That seems out of place in this passage, but think about this. When you surrender to God, the next thing that's going to happen is an attack. It happens all the time. The spiritual attack that comes. And it comes through means of voices in your head. Not audible voices, although some people have claimed to hear them. But thoughts, ideas, feelings. Things that you run through your mind over and over again. They go like this. If people knew who I was, they would reject me. Where does that come from? How could God love somebody like me? I'm broken and I always will be. I'm disgusting. It goes on and on. And we keep telling ourselves that. We keep living out that idea, that concept of who we are. And it all comes from the devil because the Bible tells us that he's the father of liars. And then when you and I believe these lies, we begin to act them out. And so, no wonder he says now, at this point in the juncture, that you resist. But here's the thing. If you resist, here's what happens. It says that he will flee from you. Okay, now think about this, okay? Because this is an important concept. If I resist and I stand up to Satan and I say this, when the voices come, the feelings come, the emotions come, all of the insecurity, all of the fear, all of the anxiety becomes, comes flooding in, I stand up and say to Satan, no, because this is not what the Bible says. You see, the Bible tells me that I'm a child of God. I don't need to believe that, what you're telling me. The Bible tells me that I'm loved by God, and I'm not going to believe the lie that you tell me. The Bible tells me that whatever happened in the past is under the blood of Christ. It is forgiven, and I can stand up as a redeemed person in the presence of other Christians, and I can be confident because this is what the Bible tells me. And here's the, thing, here's the deal. When I stand up and resist Him, then he flees, and here's the reason why. Because the lie is all he has. And you and I have got to understand this. Satan can't touch you unless you believe the lies that he tells you. And the way in which he touches you is by manipulating you to act out in ungodly ways. And when you believe the lies instead of the truth, that's what happens. It happens to us every time. 
The war is in your mind. Do you understand that? It is a spiritual war taking place in your mind. And this is why you need to resist and you need to stand strong. Here's the third word that I want you to to get as far as the cure for this or the solution, and that is to pursue. In verse 8, it tells you to come near to God and He will come near to you. Come near to God and He will come near to you. Now, in the first part, when it says to submit or surrender, that's kind of passive. In other words, I'm coming to you and just opening up. This is pursuing. Here's what he's telling you. You come to God and you admit and confess and deal with the things that you're doing that are ungodly. The behavior, the way you respond to people, what you feel, what you think, what everything. You're just laying yourself bare. Second thing is you stand against the voices. You stand against the attack. You resist it. And he will flee. Here's the third thing now. Now this is more active. You're going to pursue me. You're going to come after me. And I will meet you there. I'm not running from you. I'll be right there. Come near to God and He will come near to you. You see, I'm going to believe the truth that you tell me and I'm going to start living my life according to that every day, step by step, little by little. I'm going to start coming toward you. I'm going to start being the person that I'm supposed to be, regardless of past, regardless of fear, regardless of what I'm facing in life. I'm going to stand up and be your person. And I'm not going to go out there and dig my own cisterns anymore to try to get these needs met. I'm coming to you. And I'm going to live for you. Guys, this doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that all of a sudden things are different in your life. Well, here's what you're going to discover. Is that little by little, as time goes on, you're going to look back at your life and you're going to think, where did all the demons go? Where did all the pain go? Where did all the hurt go? Where did all the unforgiveness go? Where did all the anger go? And all of a sudden, you realize that God has transformed you without you even knowing it. Because you came to Him. And you submitted to Him. And you took a stand against the demonic forces that are trying to ruin you. And then you came toward Him. And then you said, I'm with you, Lord, and whatever, however, whatever I need to do, then, Lord, I'm here. This is what Matthew 6.33 basically is saying when it says, But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. You know the context of that passage? Jesus is talking about anxiety and worry. He's saying to these people, Why are you worried about all the things you don't have? Why are you worried about your needs and all of this stuff? He said, Don't you understand do, the, do it this way. Come to me first. Seek my kingdom first. Walk with me first. And then the result is I'll take care of your needs. And this is the, what we've got to understand as believers. That what God is asking of you and me is that I come to him first and submit, stand, pursue. And then all of a sudden things begin to change. Now here's the fourth and the last one very quickly. And that is repent. Let me read you this verse. There are two verses, really. I'm going to start with verse 8. It's kind of the middle of the verse. It says, Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. 
maybe another, a better word would have been contrition. In other words, he's saying to this, there needs to be on a regular basis, and this is true of all of us, on a regular basis, that you and I sit down and really take stock of our lives. And we are honest before God about the things that are there that are wrong. And so when I'm hating somebody, I don't try to justify it or call it something else. I come to God. I am totally exposed. I say, God, I hate this person. And it kills me to say it, Lord, but it's true. And I want this to be taken away from me. And probably, in all probability, God's going to have you do crazy things like pray for the person. (laughs) Do good to the person. Because that's what it's going to take to change you. And when I'm committed to doing it God's way and drinking from His fountain, God changes me. That's the result. And that's how the Christian life works. New behavior happens when I begin to change and begin to obey Him and walk with Him and live for Him. And all of a sudden, the way I feel begins to change. I'm allowing the Holy Spirit to break me. I'm being honest before God and saying, Lord, show me where my problem really is. Show me where I've sinned. Show me the things that need to change because I'm tired of doing it myself. I'm tired of trying to change it myself. You know, James, back at the beginning, he said, this is the problem with your fighting and your quarreling and your killing each other and taking advantage of each other. He says, You have desires that battle within you. And you're digging cisterns yourself to try to solve it, and you can't. And so come to me. Do these things. And walk with me. And I will transform you. That's the solution. If you continue going through life wanting God to change the circumstances of your problem, you're going to be disappointed. Because the circumstances may not be able to be altered. It's already done. But what God is interested in is taking you from this point on, from the circumstances onto maturity. And see, this is where he's coming from. So the answer to the issue, the answer to what I'm going through, is for me to go on to maturity. It's for me to mature and believe and and, and change and, and commit myself to the Lord more and more. And then God, as a result of that, through His Spirit, changes me. And changes me from the inside. So what's the solution to the problem? Well, surrender, resist, pursue, repent. Now listen to the last verse, okay? Here's how he kind of sums it up. He closes up with this, and it closes this way. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up. Everything that I'm talking about here this morning, it could be summed up in that, that you and I are to humble ourselves before the Lord. I'm not going to be over there doing it my way anymore. I'm going to come before you, Lord, recognizing this is the way to solve the problems in my life. And I'm going to humble myself because, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, more than anything else, this is going to take humility. Can you imagine that if you were physically standing before God without any clothes on, how humiliated you would be? Think of it this way. What if I stand before God and God knows everything about me? 
every inner thought, every lustful thought, every mean thought, every hateful idea, everything about me he knows. That's the way it is. And so you humble yourselves and you admit to God the things that he already knows. And God says, I will reach down and I will lift you up. There's no other way. And my prayer for myself and for each one of us is that we never lose sight of that. Because there will be times in our lives where we want to go over here. Let me, let me just go over here and, and, and taste the water out of that cistern over there. Let me go over there and try to do it myself. Let me just try to fix the problem instead of going to the source of the problem and the source of the solution. And I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to get your focus right and understand that what you want is a result of godly living. It's a result of it. And you and I need to understand that. There's no fix out here somewhere that is separate from this. My relationship to the Lord is what fixes the problems. Don't think that it's separate. It's not. And for too many of us, that's the way we think. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you this morning, Father, we are humbled because, Lord, we see in our lives the things that we're doing wrong. We know that what we feel and the way we eat, or act and the way we treat people and so forth, these are things that should not be. But we keep doing it over and over and over again. Sometimes we don't even know why, but God, there are reasons why. We may or may not ever know what motivates it, but Lord, we know that it has to change. Father, my prayer for each one of us as believers that we would begin to see the issue and the way back. Our problem is not what we're feeling. Our problem is that we're over there trying to fix it ourselves. Help us, Lord, to come back and humble ourselves before you and allow you to lift us up and change us and heal us. Father, that is my prayer for all of us here this morning, that you would heal us spiritually and emotionally. And Father, you would touch our lives and make changes. And someday, Father, we will look back and we'll say, wow, what happened to us? Where did it all change? And you'll be able to say, you know, it changed that first day that I bowed before God and submitted myself to Him. That's when it began to change. Father, help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.